You're listening to the Blended Family Podcast, a weekly show with a strong focus on strategies and methods to help your family thrive. Blended families face many difficulties and challenges, which can sometimes drive families apart. The goal of this podcast is to help your blended family grow together through these challenges to create the peaceful and loving home you desire. Here is your host, Melissa. Hi there. You're joining me for episode 193 of the Blended Family Podcast. I'm bringing you another co-hosting special today, which we'll get to in a few minutes. If anyone's interested in joining me for a fun conversation on this show, please schedule at blendedfamilypodcast.com slash schedule. We'll first set up a 15-minute phone conversation and chat about it a little bit, and then we'll set up the actual recording. But you know if you've been listening that these are very casual conversations, but also a great way to share your own blended family experiences with other families Something that you say might really help someone else. Maybe a tip that you have to make things easier or maybe a struggle that you have that helps someone else feel less alone. So please consider coming on and joining me. I would really love for you all to connect in your own towns so that you all even have more of a support system. But that starts first by coming on and introducing yourself to the community. For those of you who are in the private Facebook group, I'm going to be starting something new in there this week. It's going to be called Feel Good Friday. And it's because I just want us to start adding some uplifting things in there and really getting into the habit of looking for the positive. There's nothing wrong with sharing the struggles. That's really why we're there, right? We were looking for support. But at least on Fridays, I want that feed full of positive things about your blended family or even positive things about you, about your mindset, something good that happened to you that week. I don't care. It could be anything. It's just a good way to get your head right for the weekend, I think. So I expect and hope you all to participate in that. And please don't say that there's nothing positive in your life because if you really think that, then you need this more than anyone Because we all need to get into a habit of being grateful because when we're focused on gratitude, we can't really be focused on our problems. So for those of you who are not in the group, what are you waiting for? Please come and join us. It is free at blendedfamilypodcast.com slash group. Now for our World Financial Group Tip of the Week. Again, another new segment I started last show. These are just gonna be small nuggets of information that I'm sharing to help you in your journey to financial freedom. Last week, I discussed having an emergency fund. So if you missed that one, you can go back and take a listen. Today, I wanna talk about the importance of having a financial plan in place. I spent most of my life not having a plan and that really didn't get me very far. Think about anything that you do in life, whether you're starting a new business, planning a party or a vacation, creating a family, all things that we do require planning. Most of us don't even have goals set, let alone a plan to achieve those set goals. What we find though with working with many people is that most of them don't plan to fail, they just fail to plan. Now I know my reason for never going there And that was because I was scared. Finances used to frighten me because I didn't understand them. Not only that, I couldn't even have a conversation about finances. I didn't understand anything about it. 
And I really believe that's why many people don't establish a financial plan to get them where they want to go because they're afraid to even look at it or maybe they don't even know who to trust. But how can we really get to where we want to go without a solid plan in place? We can't. It won't work. You need to sit down with a financial professional who can help you come up with a plan to help take you from point A to point B. Don't be afraid to do it. In fact, you should be afraid not to do it. Trust me on this one. Because of my lack of direction most of my life, we now have less time to achieve our goals. But at least now we know what they are and we know what needs to be done to get there. So that is my financial tip of the week. Set up a financial plan for you and your family. And this is something that many professionals will do for free, but some will not. So make sure you do your research. And of course, this is something that we are now offering as well for free. So if you go to that same scheduling link, which is blendedfamilypodcast.com slash schedule, you'll see the option there for free financial review. And I'd love to help you establish a plan so that you can reach your goals. So let me know if I can help you. All right, that is all for my announcements today. Please enjoy this conversation with my lovely listener, Tracy. Hi, everyone. I am joined today by another listener who has agreed to come on as a co-host today, Miss Tracy from Ontario, Canada, who calls herself a stepmom wilderness guide. Welcome to the show, Tracy. Thank you so much. I'm excited to have you here. And I know we spoke a little bit before, so I know what you're bringing to the show and you've got all kinds of goodies for us. But first to start, just tell us a little bit about your blended family so we know a little bit more about you. Okay, well, um, I have I have one daughter uh, who is all grown up now, and by chance I'm visiting her right now. She lives in another city, so I've, I just arrived here today to visit for the weekend. And my husband has three kids who are now 19, 20, and 23. And I have been stepmom for the last 12 years, and I actually knew those kids for five years before we got together. So I first met those kids when they were, I don't know, two and three and six or seven or something. So I've really known them since they were little wee kids. Wow. Mm-hmm. That is a long time. And so it is a long time. Yeah. And so and the really interesting part about your story is you call yourself a serial parent of an only child. So <laughs> so tell us a little bit about that. <laughs> well, so my my daughter, uh, my daughter is an only child. Of course, I just have the one. Uh, but my my present husband was so I, I split up with her dad with my daughter's dad when she was 11. And then my present husband came into our lives as um, as a renter in my house. Like I needed to make extra money to be able to keep the house. And he was a guy who was working away from where his family lived because uh, he got a much better job in my town. And we had um, mutual colleagues at work. We were working in the same field. I was actually playing in a symphony orchestra at that time. And uh, so he rented a room from me for a few days a week because that was what he needed in order to be able to work in our city. And so um, he lived with my daughter and I for like these five years while she was in high school. 
And then she moved away to go to university and he and I got together kind of suddenly actually after having been five years of of being not at all romantically involved with each other. Um, it, it just sort of, we realized that we were really, really good for each other. And um, so then one of his kids came, his oldest son came and lived with us um, while his brother and sister stayed behind with mom. Uh, he lived with us, but after six months, um, he decided that he was going to go back. And then after a couple of years, the middle boy came and then he just stayed. So we had him alone. Um, and right when he went off to university, the youngest sister came and then she was all by herself too. So we have been the serial parents of an only child four times in a row. (laughs) (laughs) Which is very unique. You don't really hear about that very often. Totally unique. I mean, I can't even imagine how weird it is that, that it worked out that way, but, but it's kind of neat that all of his kids got to have the experience of being the only child in the household at some point in their life. Yeah. Um, That's amazing. It's been good for them. Yeah. And so what I love too about you is that, you know, because most of the people that I talk to are kind of in the thick of it, just like me and so many people that are that are actually raising teenagers or young children. Yeah. But you have grown children, which gives us all hope that yeah. we will survive, Tracy. That's that's what I think of when I see somebody that's got grown kids that raised a blended family and they're on the other side. I always think, yeah, OK, so it is possible. And, and I love you that know, you're here to share tips with us about that. That's exactly how I got into this. I mean, I truly woke up one day and I sort of said, I think we did it. Like, it just felt like the clouds had parted and all that, like we were through all that murky water or whatever. And I said, I feel like I'm standing in the light at the end of the tunnel. And I want to tell everybody that it's real. Like, I want to shine it, shine this big spotlight back over my shoulder and say, walk this way. You know, I've really felt like I needed to... I needed to reflect on what we had done that was um, that was successful. Like, how did how did we do this? What is it that worked? Um, surely there are plenty of things where you know that that didn't work, but something that we did, um, you know, brought us to this place. And I've really worked hard at, at trying to understand what that was, so that I could share it with people. Wow. Well, I I appreciate that because there's something to say about people that have experience. Anybody can do research and anybody can learn what it's like to have a blended family, but you really don't know the difficulty until you're in it and and through it. And, And everybody's situation is different. And I know that you have definitely your own different things to bring to the table that not everybody has. And that's what I love about these co-host shows is that I get to talk to so many people and everybody has different tips and you certainly do. And one of the topics that I know we want to talk about today with you is you're really interested in changing the stepmom stigma. And I like that because I hear this all the time. Stepmom is like you say, it's a fairly new thing. And most of the time when people hear the word stepmom, just the word has a very negative connotation and comes with a lot of feeling and all different kinds of feelings. I mean, but most of the time people think of it in a negative light, a lot of ways. And so tell me how you feel about that and why you're trying to change things around. Well, I've always really disliked the word stepmom. And I found it really hard to use, like Mm. for such a long time. And um, we only got married actually four years ago. 
So for, you know, for all of those years, I didn't feel even that I could say that I was a stepmom, which is ridiculous, of course. I mean, I, I could have said it anytime I wanted, but um, I was, I f- was very uncomfortable with it. And um, I don't know, it's not a nice, it's not a nice word. We have so much negative connotations about that. And I think, I think it's partly because the, the historical stepmom was the lady who your dad married after your mother passed away, right? Like, I mean, more than yeah. 50 years ago, there weren't people who had like joint custody wasn't a thing until 40, 45 years ago. It just wasn't. There might have been some situations that had more or less visitation, but kids were not living in a shared household situation before before then. And um, so very often, the this woman who married your dad um, was, you know, uh, you know, had potentially an, uh, some other kind of agenda or uh, maybe was, um, I don't know, resentful of you. I mean, there were all kinds of different societal things going on and having to move into somebody's house and take over the role of being a mother when you were not a mother um, I mean, I think everybody can relate to how hard it is, even with part-time kids, right, to suddenly be a mother overnight. And if you're also dealing with a layer of incredible grief uh, around the loss Mm. of this mother figure, uh, it would not be an easy thing for for that lady to cope. And certainly there are lots and lots of cases where, you know, there was a stepmom who was not so nice. And I, I mean, I... I'm talking to women all day long on social media, and lots of them had that experience with a stepmom that wasn't a nice person. So um, it's really hard to overcome this, you know, um, a negative association with the word. And I know some people like to call themselves a bonus mom, and that definitely um has a, you know, a, a happier tone to it, but it still feels weird to me. It's kind of like a consolation prize or something. Yeah. Well, we always use so, the term bonus, bonus mom and bonus dad and bonus kids here just because we didn't like the word step either. And there's really not much else to call it. And also, Tracy, I, know. I wanted to also bring up, there's another reason I think why the word stepmom has such a negative connotation, and it's because every movie that we watch growing up as kids has the wicked stepmother, the evil right. stepmother, yeah. the mean stepmom. And so it just kind of like ground into us from a young age that stepmoms are bad and, and stepmoms are wrong. And, you know, even yeah. more than stepdad, I mean, stepmoms get it way worse than stepdads. Yeah. And I, I just think it's because the, the moms are the ones that a lot of times are trying to enforce some different rules and structure. And it's just met with a lot of resistance from kids. And so I'm glad that you're trying to change that around a little bit. And I think as time goes on, I think I think it is changing. I definitely do. Yeah, I, I mean, I've I've been talking about it in my group a little bit. And I said, you know, I think we're it's up to us to imbue that word with, mm. with um, purpose and dignity and uh, passion, and that we have to be um, we have to be thinking more about the incredible uh, possibilities that there are for us as stepmoms to to bring something to this family, to these children, 
um, that's a gift for them. And yeah. it's an incredible, I mean, I, I felt it as a privilege to stand beside these other kids and help shepherd them into adulthood. Like it was a privilege for me. And I, I think that it, you know, when we keep everything at a, at a high vibe, so to speak, like when we're, when we're all about the, um, the, yeah, the meaning of it and the purpose of it, um, that it can help us to weather the day-to-day crap, you know, like you just, you don't have time for the stupid crap when you're, when you're on a mission, you know? Yeah. And I want to talk about your journey a little bit as a stepmom. And I know for you, you did, you did have them all individually, which was probably helpful in some ways, but what were maybe some of the challenges or did you have any challenges with your stepkids at that time? (laughs) Oh yeah, of course. Um, of course. And what, you know, so, um, I never had challenges with them. Uh, how shall I say in my relationship with them? Okay. So, uh, like I was really lucky and I know that I was lucky that because I got to know these kids before their dad and I were together, um, I knew that they liked me before. And so when this, when the stuff started to hit the fan, like when, they started hearing really negative things about me and they were being encouraged to not like me. And, um, you know, when that stuff started happening, I could put it into context right away because I knew that they liked me from before. So I didn't have to deal with, uh, you know, a lot of insecurity about whether I was, you know, doing something wrong or whatever. But we had, um, yeah, we had some very interesting challenges in terms of uh, a lot of parental alienation mm. and uh, and an interesting twist on that, which was that the three kids were alienated in a strange way from each other as well. Oh, So uh, I, I know it's kind of hard to wrap your head around how that would be, but it was a very... Um, strange atmosphere of, um, oh, what can I say? I'm trying not to like do say anything too personal, but the kids were, you know, in the same way that they would hear stuff about me. Right. So that they wouldn't like me, they would hear stuff about each other. So while one kid was living here, right. Then the brother and sister were very much turned against him. And then when he went back, then that kind of rift remained. And then and another brother came here, and then it was the same thing. Then the other two were turned against him. And so it wasn't until quite recently that the three of them now have all, you know, since the youngest one came here, the three of them now as young adults can all sit around and say, you mean you never said that? I always thought that you were mad at me because of, you know. Oh. So, like, they've really straightened out a lot of stuff with the, um, with each other, but that was that was really, really hard. Yeah. And I was going to say um, that as you were, as you were talking about it, I had a feeling you were going to say that the kid that was alienated was always the one that was living with you at that time, which makes sense. And I'm sure it was encouraged probably by the other side. Um, unfortunately that's what happens. And I can never yeah. understand when a parent 
tries to turn their own kids against one another, that just makes me so sad inside because as yeah. a mother myself, there's nothing in this world that I want more than for my children to love one another and get along because I know I'm not always going to be here and I want to make sure that they yeah. have each other. But I'm glad to hear that as they're older now that they've learned how to work through some of those issues on their own, which is really promising for a lot of people that are listening to know that that things do straighten out in time when there's maturity there and when they grow up. They do. They do. And I also have to say that the, um, you know, the, the parental alienation part was like just dramatically awful. And, mm. um, the, these kids lived, uh, well, we lived three hours away from where they were living. And, um, my husband was, um, very faithful about driving there every single week. So he went every week um, to spend a day or two. Sometimes he would stay over as often as he could. And, um, you know, and he would phone every single day, every day without fail. And every day without fail, he would call and the phone would ring four five, six times and it would go to the answering machine. And then he would call again and it would ring four or five, however many times, and go to the answering machine. And then the third time, finally, someone would pick up the phone. And that was the daily ritual. And it was like a game in their house of who would, you know, who would finally pick up the phone, because it was always dad. And, and then when he would go there to visit, he would ring the doorbell and nobody would come, you know, ring the doorbell. And, and he did that for, I don't know how many years, like, it's, it's almost a superhuman thing to endure that. But, but that's why I want to tell the story because, you know, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And even, you know, when you're in the fourth or fifth or sixth year of that, you think, well, I just can't do it anymore. I'm giving up. And there were lots of times when he said, I'm done. Like, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm just done. I can't do it anymore. And he would take a few weeks off and then, you know, he would just get back on his horse. And, and now they totally appreciate that. And, and I have to say that in the conversations that I've had with women uh, over social media, I asked in a lot of groups for women to come forward who had been alienated as children from a parent. And almost 100% of them had the same story that now they have a very nice relationship with that parent and a very strained one with the parent who alienated them. And this is the universal outcome of that story that if you can hang on and if you can keep your head in the game and just stick with it for as long as it takes, when the kids get old enough, uh, they want to have a relationship with you and they're very angry at the parent who, who, who yeah. made a conditional love, you know, issue out of staying away from the other parent. Yeah. So it, it does work out in the end. And it's it, time is the main ingredient, truthfully. And just, you know, being able to keep an open heart and be ready for when they're, you know, when they're ready, be waiting when they're ready to make a change. Yeah, that's, that's great advice. And I kind of try to tell people that all the time, not just with parental alienation, but just with kids in general, because kids, when they're teenagers and younger, they, they form their own opinions about things. And they most like even my own kids now, some of the things that are in their head, I can't even 
understand where it's coming from. Like the, the yeah. way that they think things happened, the story that they have is completely different than mine. But yeah. like I've spoken about before, even my ex-husband has a completely different story in, in his own mind of how things went. And that's just how it is for everybody. But with yeah. children, I always find that if you just wait, like you said, until their, their brain develops and they start to understand things, they do see and everything starts to come together for them. And they do finally recognize and understand which parents are the ones that caused the problems, which ones are mm-hmm. the ones that remained loving throughout and that didn't yeah. bad mouth and that did the right thing. And it shows through in the end. Well, and I think that kids have a sense of unconditional love mm-hmm. and what that is. And they they grow to understand that the parent who they've been, you know, um, dissing or avoiding or treating badly, who continues to love them, yeah. is it, that that is a quality that they come to appreciate, even if they don't have the words for it, and that the other parent who puts conditions on being loved, like it's very clear, I don't love you if you also love your dad, right? Yeah. Like that, that's conditional love. And eventually they can, um, they can straighten it out in their heads when they're, when they're old enough. Yeah. And so I don't know if this is too personal for you to talk about, so please feel free to tell me that. But um, your stepkids now, do they have a strained relationship with their mother yeah, yeah, they, they do. do. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so it's very hard and I feel, I feel bad about it. I feel bad for them, but you know, I spent, I don't know, the last 12 years, um, doing everything to encourage, a, a good relationship there. And, um, and finally, you know, um, well, they're old enough to make I, their own decisions. They're now. old enough. They, they are. And I, what can I say? I hope that they will pass through this period of time, mm-hmm. and that eventually make a, a better uh, relationship with her on whatever terms that they can do it. But they're really mad. They're really mad at her, and you know they they say that, you know she stole all of these years from them when they didn't have a good relationship with their dad or with each other. And also by extension, their whole extended family on their dad's side. Right. Um, so, uh, that's really hard. And it was, you know, uh, being estranged from their grandmother and, um, you know, uh, it was, it was a lot. But it goes to show that when you keep doing the right thing, that it does pay off. And I'm so happy for you that your family has come together and that everything is good with your husband now. Um, and But that wasn't what he did by himself. He had you by his side and you, you've you remained a really great stepmom throughout. And I know one of the things I want to talk about with you um, is that... You, you were very self-aware and you had an aha moment early on. And I want you to talk about that because I think that a lot of times 
people forget that these children do have a lot of feelings too. And I think that's back to the whole stepmom issue. I think that some stepmoms can be insensitive to the children's wants and needs. And I think that's why they do get a bad rap. But one of the things that you did early on was that you really were in touch with the feelings of your stepchildren. So please talk about that just a little bit. Yeah, I just, I had a kind of aha moment is a really great way of putting it, actually, because something just sort of hit me over the head at one moment. And um, we had been away for, we just did a day trip somewhere. And um, I don't know, on the ride home in the car, you know, it just really struck me that uh, they were still living far away from him at that time. And we maybe they were with us for a weekend or a week. I can't remember how long it was. But, um, but I thought, I get, to have, I get to have him all the time, their dad. And they don't get to have him anymore. Like, this is so weird and wrong, like kind of cosmically wrong that, mm. that, that I, you know, like a person's dad is so such an important person and they love him so much and I get their daddy all the time and they don't like what the heck is that you know I it just seemed completely weird and wrong to me in a in a kind of a flash and it made me feel very committed to um, giving them all of the dad that I could as much as I could. And so it sort of became my mission, or I mean, that's too fancy a word for it, but I was consciously aware all the time of the idea that when they were with us, um, I needed to facilitate them uh, getting the most out of that time with him. So the most connection, the most attention, the most love, you know, whatever I could do to make that happen, that was my responsibility. So, you know, it's, um, I think maybe it was easier for me because we didn't have them so much of the time, Mm -hmm. but in truth, you know, he was going there, he was gone for two days every week because he was driving there. And sometimes when he just couldn't do it anymore, I would offer to go with him so that it would happen and so that they could get more dad. And I would go with him and I would hide um, so I wasn't with him, like hanging out. I would, I would go for this three hour drive and then I would hide out in coffee shops all day until he was done and we would go home or we had a hotel room and I would like get lost so that he could bring the kids to hang out and watch TV or play games in the hotel room. And I would, you know, go from the, to the library, to the coffee shop, whatever, and, and wait till they were gone so that I could sneak back into my own hotel room so I, I did, I think, some extraordinary things to make it possible for them to get the most that they could from Which him. Which is absolutely amazing, and you should be commended for that, uh, <laughs> even though you probably think that just should be the norm. And, and you're right, it should be the norm, but not everybody understands that. And yeah, but they, it, they, don't, they don't understand how to think about it. And that's yeah. where I think I have, I have a way of just explaining it, you know, that I think when you, like I said before about looking at the bigger picture of what, like, what are you, what are you giving here? Like, what is your gift to this family, to this situation? Like, 
what's the highest thing that you can bring to this situation? Um, when you give something, you're in charge of it in a way that is not the same as when something gets asked or even demanded of you. So I know a lot of women have this kind of critical moment where they get booted off the couch because mm -hmm. the stepchild wants to sit next to dad or whatever. And, and I think that if you, if you're the one who offers and you're the one who says, you go sit next to daddy to watch the movie and I'll sit over here. When you're making an offer, you're, you can feel good about that because you're giving something, you know, it's like, it's like when you make a donation somewhere you know, you can feel good about it. It's not nice if someone reaches into your purse and grabs 10 bucks out, right? So if you wait to be asked, then you feel resentful because you something's being taken away from you. But if you're saying to yourself, what can I do here to make this period pass by as quickly as possible where the kids are so needy? Like, mm -hmm. they're needy because they're always, their tank is on empty. Like, their dad tank is on empty when they come to see you and it needs to get filled up. So the more, the quicker you can do that, um, they're going to feel better earlier in the weekend or during this day. And then the number of years of neediness is going to be reduced. Yeah. That's what I think. I saw it happen that way. Anyway, no, that's, that's excellent, us. excellent advice. And, and I want to say too, that not only are you helping the kids when you do that, but you're also, helping your partner who feels sometimes torn and pulled in different directions and wants to keep his partner happy and his kids happy. And by the way, this goes, this goes for stepdad, stepmoms, it doesn't sure. matter the sex, but when a parent feels pulled in two different directions and they can't yeah. satisfy their partner and the kids, it becomes very yeah. hard for them too. Yeah. And so you're, you, that's just wonderful advice. And I want everybody to listen to that. And again, it's not to shame you if you are, you know, if you do have trouble there, it's just to kind of help you recognize that you can make things easier, like Tracy says, if you do try to take a step back. Because the thing is, is this this is a period of time in your life. This isn't forever. This is right. there's only a small period of time where those kids even want to be with their parents and they are right. needy with their parents. And before you know it, once they become a certain age, they don't want anything to do with their parents. And That's so it. if we could just kind of like nurture that period of time because it is important and it is fleeting. And even though while you're in it, it feels like this is forever. And you yeah. know, and I know that it feels that way because when you're in the trenches, it's hard. But believe it or not, those years just fly by. And before you know it, those kids are out the door and, you know, the damage is already done. Yeah. So I love that advice. Thank you for sharing that. Um, and so let's move on. I want, there's a couple other things I want to talk about with you because you have so much to share. Um, one of the other you, you have some good tips, too, on methods um, dealing with behavior issues with children, uh, a way that you that you handle that, um, where you look for the why and then what you do. So can you talk about that too? Yeah, well, I guess it, it probably comes from, you know, my, my career for the last 20 years has been as a holistic health professional. So I'm, I have been working as a, a, a homeopath and, um, yeah, in, in natural medicine. So we're, we're always, um, looking at, at symptoms, signs and symptoms are, are pointing towards something. They're not, they're not something by themselves that we want to take away. You know, we're always looking for the, the root 
of the problem in order to address that and not just uh, not just you know stop this fever or um, you know make this make this headache go make this pain go away or whatever you want to say like why why is this happening why should why is this fever coming up now what's going on like you know um, and I'm used to trying to uncover those problems like what happened what was going on before you got this headache which kind of stress is in your life what uh, you know what might you have eaten that uh, that uh, upset you you know I'm always looking for what happened before this symptom started to become a problem so for me behavior it's not just for me I mean it's the way we we look at things in the holistic world the behavior is a symptom of something it's not a thing by itself that we just want to stop and uh Nobody, like kids don't behave badly. Uh, how can I say it? Like it doesn't happen in an isolated way all by itself. Um, kids actually want by nature to please the adults around them. Like it, that's part of our um, uh, survival mechanism. And so if that's not happening, something is is wrong. And um, I, I think that, that just trying to take a view to say, like, what could be happening here? What could be causing this to happen? Instead of just saying, this is intolerable for me and it has to stop, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I, I think that that's the first step to being able to um, look at things in a different way. And I'm, I don't know, I'm constantly... Um, <laughs> telling people stuff about their kids online where that make them say, Oh my gosh, like I didn't think about that before. So I, I wrote a story at one point that got um, published in, I think in step parent magazine, but I, I said, imagine that you, you work in an office where every week you have to pack up your whole desk and, mm -hmm you know, put it in a, in a suitcase and take it to another office where you unpack everything and then you work from that other location. And, and you have two bosses who are actually, you know, they sort of work for the same company, but they're competing with each other for a promotion <laughs> or something. And, and they're constantly going to, you know, try to throw you under the bus. Uh, and they're constantly undermining the work that you do with the other team. And you have different co-workers in both of those places, and you're supposed to get along with all of them. But the truth is, like in all workplaces, sometimes you, it's easy to get along, and sometimes it's not easy to get along. And uh, there gets to be more and more pressure in this situation. Uh, the more each each of your bosses kind of ramps up the uh, the expectations, the expectations are different in both offices, and you are constantly forgetting which place you are and how the rules are different here from how they are there. And like, imagine if you worked in a place like that, you'd go out of your mind. And yet for us, we think that kids should just adapt. And what's the big deal? They have a bedroom here and a bedroom there and they should just be okay with it. Like it would make you crazy. But the thing that's, that is really important to know about this situation is that if you get fired from that job, 
you'll never work anywhere else again, ever. There is no other job for you. Mm. You can't quit. And if you get fired, your life is over. That's how it feels. That's a wonderful analogy. You know, so think about that. Like, would that make you crazy? And they're just, their security is uncertain all the time. And they don't know who they can trust. And one thing that you don't often think about kids is that they very often believe that their parents can read their minds. Hmm. So if they, um, you know, the, the thing about the loyalty bind that people don't understand is that they think a loyalty bind is where, you know, mom says you're not supposed to like the other stepmom or whatever. But that's not the hard part. The hard part is when they beat themselves up for what they feel inside about you. Because if they like you too much, that they feel that they're betraying their mother in their heart. Yeah. And they can't live with that. And then they get angry at themselves. And when they're angry at themselves and they hate themselves, then that's, you know, that's when you see those kind of crazy behaviors happening. And a lot of women say, I don't understand what happened. You know, we used to get along so well. And now all of a sudden, um, she doesn't want to come over anymore. She doesn't want to be with me or, you know, whatever. And that's how it can happen that, you know, it's not because they don't like you. It's when they do like you too much or they love you that all of a sudden, um, they get, uh, they stab themselves in the heart somehow because, um, it's a, it feels like a betrayal of their mother. That's what the loyalty bind is. Wow. Well, I really like you putting it that way because I'm really big on shifting perspective and looking at situations from everybody's point of view. And it's so important to think of what the children are feeling and thinking. And most people just don't. Like you said, we think they're kids, they're they're fine, we don't need to worry about it, this is our life, we need to do what we need to do. And that that is true as parents and adults, we need to do what we need to do, but we do need to take their feelings, the feelings of our children into consideration. And a lot of times um, we don't always do that. And we do forget that a lot of the behavior is acting out against whatever's going on. And so yeah. um, I, I love that that you said that. Um, and being that you've been in holistic health and homeopathic medicine for years, how did that help you in raising your kids? Like, did that, that, did that come into play a lot? It was so helpful. I can't even begin to tell you. (laughs) I mean, I used to really, I used to say like, what do people do who don't have this? Like my house is full of books and remedies and medicines and, uh, like, I don't know, like I've been studying nonstop for 20 years and learning about the stages of childhood development and human behavior and psychology and family dynamics. And, you know, like I'm so immersed in that and I've used every ounce of it. And uh, again, that was sort of what prompted me to do this. I just thought like all of that stuff that I know was so incredibly resourceful for me. Like I say to, in developing these kind of um, ideas of looking at the why and saying what's going on and, you know, understanding that, um, uh, you know, that we have needs as human beings for security first and foremost, and 
And then for belonging, you know, those are, I mean, uh, when we get beyond the like food, food and water and air kind of thing, uh, we need a strong foundation of security and, and we need belonging. And I think what we don't understand is that, um, for children, their security rests completely in their parents until they're whatever, 10 or 12 years old, probably. Um, even beyond, I can say, because, uh, yeah, I mean, I even had it with the teenagers this summer where they, they needed a great deal of their dad, uh, because it was a really important moment for them. They were both going off to, you know, start their lives as adults, really off in university and another one going off to work in another city. And, um, so the thing about, like, like I said, filling up their tank with dad, this is about basic security feeling in life. It's not just a, like, I, I need to, I need to be the king and sit beside him on the couch. It's, that's where you have it wrong because for the mom, for the stepmom, it's about her need to belong and to have her connection and her relationship, you know, with your husband. But for the kids, it's really about, about, um, like feeling safe in the world. And you know what it's like when somebody is drowning, you know, like lifeguards get trained how not, how not to get killed by the drowning person, right? Because mm-hmm. a drowning person will actually paradoxically try to kill you yeah. while you're saving them. And if you think about the kids, like they are fighting for their lives. They don't look like it, but it's a total survival thing. And and I think that that's why so many times the the unhappy kids are really able to to break up a, a marriage. It happens all the time. You know that, mm-hmm. I mean, we know that 70% of blended families don't make it. Yeah. It's an incredibly dramatic statistic, like seven out of 10, like more than two out of three blended families aren't going to last five years. Ugh. And And that's because I think in great measure that we as stepmoms aren't able to um, understand that the safety needs are going to beat belonging needs every time. And they're going to thrash around in their panic for survival and they're going to win because it's, you know, a a drowning person will kill a lifeguard if they get too close. Mm. So, you know, we just have to understand that for them, it is so much more important than we think. We're not competing on the same level at all. And, you know, you we as adults, we have to use our adult resources to get our needs met in, um, in all the ways that are available to us as adults that kids don't have. Um, and so, yes, like you have to be making a date night with your partner on a regular basis. Like that's your responsibility to make sure that you're getting your need for your relationship met. And everybody can do that. And you, you know, you can rally some friends, neighbors, school friends, hire a babysitter, like whatever you have to do if the kids are with you all the time. And if they're not with you all the time, you have lots of time to work on your relationship when they're not there. And you, you need to use that time to get your needs met. 
Well, yeah, I certainly agree. There really needs to be balance and the needs of everyone in the family is important, both the adults and kids. So that was a very good point, Tracy. Now, I know we're approaching the end of the interview. And so I always ask everybody the same five questions. Are you ready? Sure. Okay, good. So number one, what is the thing you love most about your blended family? You know, I was thinking about that. And the thing that really warms my heart the most is how much, well, I I love being a family. I love hearing them refer to us as their family. And I love it that, for instance, my stepkids have become close with my parents who are kind of, they don't have any other living grandparents. And, um, you know, my, as I'm sure I said before, my stepkids are, are 19 and 20 now. And, Last summer, they went up to my parents' cottage by themselves, Um, just hung out with my parents for a couple of days. Mm. And I just thought that was so lovely. And they have been able to reconnect with some of their own family from their mom's side of the family, people that they didn't know, uh, who by total chance and coincidence have uh, their home is very close to where my parents' cottage is, and the kids stumbled on it when they were out walking. Uh, So you know, that they've been able to really enlarge their own extended family through their relationship with me. I think that feels really special to me. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, Question number two, what is the biggest challenge right now in your blended family? Well, that's kind of an interesting thing because the challenge we're having most now is dealing with empty nest syndrome. Um, (laughs) You know what, though, Tracy, I think a lot of people, you know, and I know because it's different, you're in the situation and we're not, but I bet there's a lot of people that are wishing to be empty nesters right now. (laughs) Totally. But when it finally comes, it It feels different, right? It's a big surprise. It feels really different. The house feels really empty. Um, And for, you know, for their dad, especially, it's a big, it's a big life moment. Definitely. And and I have to say also that, interestingly, this work that I do with stepmoms that was, you know, completely inspired by my stepkids, for sure. Um, but that is, um, it's a challenge for me to do that work and still be just completely respectful of the fact that this is their life story that I'm, that I'm talking about. Wow. And, you know, that's, that's hard. It's hard for me to do all the all the things that I would, you know, to talk about all the things that I would want to. I really have to um, be careful with myself about how I how I share what happens in our family because it's their story. Yeah, and that's that's a wonderful point. And I mean, even for myself too, right? I wouldn't have this podcast if I didn't have my stepkids and a blended mm-hmm. family. So it is really good to note. And I wasn't trying to say anything mean about the whole empty nester thing. I mean, I, listen, I love my kids. But, yeah. Uh, oh, I get it. <laughs> but, you know, there's a, I think Sean and I have not been alone in our house in I don't even know. Yeah. Maybe we've had a 10-minute burst of time alone yeah. in our house in, in at least a year. So, of course, we're always wow. like, I wonder what it's going to feel like when, you know, when there's some quiet here. And, of course, I'm sure that we'll miss it. So, okay, question number three. If you knew then what you know now, what is one thing you would have done differently when you first blended? Um, I have to say the one thing that um, that came up 
at the so at the time, like when the kids were quite little, when we when my uh, my husband and I first got together, they were about six and seven and ten or eleven. And the first time I went with them to their grandmother's house, she was alive at the time. Um, she lived in a you know fairly small condo, and then there's five of us coming in, and so the sleeping arrangements were kind of hard to work out. And my husband insisted that we should sleep together in one room and that the kids would, you know, work out wherever they were sleeping. And I felt like it was too soon for that. And he really insisted, like, this is how it's going to be. You know, this is our new reality. Uh, They have to, like, just get over it. And the sooner the better. And I felt pretty strongly about that, but I didn't insist but I wish I had, <laughs> because that was, uh, I, I think that was um, hard for them. It was hard for them, and it set up, a, a, you know, a difficult situation. And, and I think my husband wished that that he had done that differently afterwards. Hmm. So the, the idea of, like, suck it up and get over it. Yeah. Like, the, the quicker you get used to this idea, I, I don't think that's the right move, really, for, for most situations. I can't think of one where that would be the right answer. Yeah. And it's a fine line, right? Because you can't allow the kids to make all the decisions, but you definitely want them to feel that they do have a say and that not everything is just happening to them. So yeah, you have to walk a fine line. That's, that's a very interesting point. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, let's see. Number four, what is something you know you're doing right in your blended family? Something that you're proud of? Well, um, again, I think that was the, the, the start of this whole project that I've been doing. I, I felt that I wanted to share all the things that I was proud of that, that worked out so well for us in the end. And, you know, if there's anything I could put my finger on, it would be, I think, how I still managed to make space for them to get all of their dad that they need. And even at the age that they're at now, um, I, I'm proud of how I make that happen, of how I, you know, leave them the space to have the, the time together that they need and the relationship together that they need without, without hopefully without uh, overstepping. Yeah, and I'm sure that they really appreciate that too because uh, not everybody is so self-aware and so that's really good. Uh, Number five, if you had one piece of advice to offer the rest of the listeners today, what would it be? I think I would say don't take it personally. Whatever it is, it's not about you. Um, That's so hard to do because of course it feels like it's about you. But um, it's really, you're a... as a stepmom, you're not actually a, a main character in their the story of stuff that they have to work out. You're kind of a, um, a, a a side player or something. I don't know how to say that quite well. And it doesn't mean that you're not important because, of course, you are. But uh, the big emotional stuff that has to come out in kids is not about you. And sometimes it's directed at you because you're there or because you're a safe person to to receive all of that but it's that would be the the hardest thing and I think the thing that's most important to 
keep at the forefront of your mind that you you shouldn't take anything personally because in the end, it's really not about you. Yeah, and that's really great advice. In fact, I was just um, answering some listener emails right before I got on the call with you, and that was my advice to one of my listeners. Don't take it personal. Mm-hmm. She's going through some stuff, and and that is very good advice for everybody. You have to have a little bit of a thick skin in the blended family game, I think. so. Totally. Uh, now, I know that you have a special offering for the listeners today, so I'm going to give you an opportunity to talk about that. Sure. Well, um, I I have a little free guide. It's a quick read. It's called um, Three Secrets of Successful Stepmoms. And I think they're just, you know, whatever I could distill into three principles that I think everyone can benefit from thinking about and using in their life. So that will be, um, we'll drop a link for that, I guess, in the show notes. And anybody who would like to see it is welcome to download that. Absolutely. I'm going to definitely add that link. And uh, and just please, just for the listeners, what is the best way for people to reach you? Um, they can reach me through my website, which is tracypoisoner.com. So my email is tracy at tracypoisoner.com. Um, they can, you know, anyone is welcome to um, check out our Facebook group, which is called The Spectacular Stepmom. We have about 500 plus uh, stepmoms there who are very engaged and it's a really lovely 100% positive uh, place for working things out together so I'm I'm very proud of that group that's for sure so that's called the spectacular stepmom that's an easy way to find me wonderful thank you so much I will definitely add all of your links um, including your doTERRA link if anybody wants to get on with the essential oils. You can contact Tracy that way. And then your website, everything. I'm going to add the links and the freebie in the show notes. So you guys can all contact Tracy. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. I very much appreciate it. This was lovely, Melissa. Thank you so much for inviting me. You have been listening to the Blended Family Podcast. For more information, please visit the website at blendedfamilypodcast.com. Remember, to create the peaceful home you desire, all you need is love.